Coaching Podcast is to encourage and equip those who are called by God to provide spiritual direction to the Church of Jesus Christ. We're teaching warriors to fight for the human heart because only healthy hearts can know God deeply and follow Him fully. Welcome everyone. This is Season 2 of the Spiritual Coaching Podcast. Uh, my goal is to equip everyone that has a bent towards spiritual coaching um, by offering them training and truth, along with much-needed encouragement. In this season, we're going to move forward from the philosophical foundations of spiritual coaching that we covered in Season 1 and move on to discuss uh, you know, the heart of the spiritual coach. Be sure to go back and, and make certain that you didn't miss an episode from Season 1 because what is coming is based on what already has been covered. My spiritual coaching page is tworivers.church backslash slash life coaching. Life coaching is hyphenated. I do this because only healthy hearts can know God deeply and follow Him fully. Before I dive in today, I want to thank my wife, Nancy, for her help recording the mid-tro, intro, mid-tro, and outro. If you wondered whose angelic voice that is, it's the wonderful saint of a woman I've been married to these last 34 years. As I sit here in my recording studio, which is really just my home office equipped with a microphone on a boom and a pop filter. Uh, I'd like to thank Mark Edwards for his extensive guidance in the social media realm and the podcast sphere. Uh, I am the spiritual coach at a multi-site church here in upstate New York and am responsible for the spiritual coaching here at our first campus and across all the Two River sites. <coughs> I've been doing pastoral ministry since the early 80s and spiritual coaching since the early 90s. You can find my website which has explanations of what spiritual coaching is, you know, resources you can use in your coaching practice, as well as a link to contact me at tworivers.church backslash slash life coaching. And life coaching is hyphenated. So, today's episode, I'm going to outline the three aspects of this holiness that God wants from us in, in our attempt to be in and maintain and grow in and draw close in our relationship with Him. Uh, we covered the why last episode, so go back and give it a listen if you question that why holiness is important in the last episode. If I were to give you a single synonym for holy or holiness uh, that might help you understand it would be the word pure or the idea of purity. So there are three aspects of purity. First, okay, holy means pure devotion. The idea of holiness refers to something or some, someone that's set apart or reserved for special use. So, so think about your grandma's hutch with all that pretty china in it. She says it's for special occasions and people, but you don't feel very special because she's never gotten it out for you. Dinnerware that's only used on special occasions could be called holy in this first sense in the sense of devotion, what it's set aside for. For the Christian, this is played out as we reserve everything we have and are for God. Um, we are the China, okay? We have been spoken for by God. He has the first and rightful claim to us. All others, including ourselves, are usurpers. It means we accept that we've been purchased by God when He rescued us, uh, for his own very special mission, and we no longer lay claim to our lives and bodies to do with as we wish. We voluntarily become God's slaves and slaves to righteous living. Uh, we need to think of our lives as only able to be and uh, to do what um, righteous living would demand. 
The thought of ourselves as a slave is a very unattractive metaphor for this side of holiness, but you should know that not only do all the writers of the New Testament letters call themselves slaves of God, but it's one of the very first things they say when introducing themselves to their readers. Uh, chapter 1, verse 1, Romans, Philippians, Titus, James, Second Peter, Jude, and Revelation all contain that reference. A corollary in the language of the Christian church uh, and world would be uh, the term of holiness and this idea of pure devotion, okay? Holy people are devoted to Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. They have chosen their side and pledged their allegiance to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. To be holy unto the Lord means that we have vowed to remain loyal to King Jesus no matter what the cost to us personally. Be it uh, life or be it death, we have sworn our allegiance to God alone and no other master. To refer to refuse to follow God's commands or refuse to kneel to any other suitor is an act of treason. Um, to fail to, re to refuse to kneel. Uh, the first, this first sense is fairly simple. Um, the second will require a, a little bit more explanation. But back to the, your grandma's hutch, okay? Those dishes are reserved or set aside and are kept special for when um, company comes. And so it's like we are the dishes in that hutch. We are not available just to anyone that comes along and demands um, our usefulness. Uh, but we reserve ourselves so that we're, we're free and able to be used and clean to be used when Jesus, who we are reserved for, asks for our usefulness, for our service. Um, so that is the first idea of holy. This is that a pure set-aside devotion. The second idea of holy is a pure self. This aspect of purity is pretty obvious. Pure means a, a thing that, that is of one substance. It's unmixed, it's undiluted, it's unadulterated, uncontaminated, unalloyed, flawless, perfect, and genuine. For the Christian, holiness as purity also means that we are clean, wholesome, righteous, saintly, honorable, upright, irreproachable, upstanding, blameless, guiltless, spotless, unsullied, uncorruptible, undefiled. I'm sure you get the idea. Being reserved for God, bowing to Him as our Lord, is fairly easy to grasp. The second aspect, to be pure, is a part of the command to be holy that most people have the greatest difficulty with. So let's explain it in a little bit of detail. So we have this idea of pure devotion. An undivided heart and unsplintered loyalty. That was point one. Where most go back on their word in this regard is when they take their the throne of their lives away from God by, by trying to sit in that chair themselves. Or maybe what they do is they give away first place in their heart to, to a spouse, to a child, to work, to, to some addiction or a hobby. You know, we have this strange idea that our lives are our own and we can do with them what we want or, or that our hearts don't need monitoring. And so we end up gradually slipping back into disloyalty. So we talked about pure devotion. Let's talk about a pure heart and mind. Here, we're talking about a mind and motives that are impure or... Um, that are, are, are unrighteous, you'll rightly conclude that this is intimately connected with the idea of pure devotion. You know, this is such a huge subject that we can't really unpack it all. Our hearts are easily tainted in, in, with impure desires, appetites, motivations, and self-centeredness. And I doubt you need me to explain how our thoughts are shot through with impurity. Uh, thoughts of, of abandoning our commitment to God because it's difficult or costly but also sexual purity and, and hateful, wicked plans and desires and imaginations that exist in our soul. 
So pure devotion, pure of heart and mind, and pure of hands and life. This is the outworking of the previous two. Impurity and duplicity in our devotion, heart and mind will inevitably produce treacherous actions. Love for self and money in the world that seeps into our thinking and heart will come out as unrighteousness and misplaced priorities in our life. We use our time in selfish or wasteful endeavors and become unfaithful managers of all that God has loaned us to put to use for Him and His kingdom. The way to maintain our loyalty with God is not through perfection, since that's impossible. Rather, it, it means that we're quick to agree with God against ourselves when He shows us our wrong and quick to confess, repent, restate, and restart our submission. We are responsible to act with obedience and cooperation when God speaks, not before. God doesn't expect us to read his mind. We can be in complete submission today and tomorrow be faced with a huge challenge to our loyalty. The Spirit of God reveals to us some new angle that, that we've been disloyal and disobedient in this way or in, in some way or another. We may, uh, many have tried to explain this purity side with complicated theological mumbo-jumbo that doesn't, uh, does more to confuse than to clarify. So here's a very practical and useful definition that my mentor gave me. Think of it as just doing the last thing God told you to do. That's what this purity is in this hands and life aspect of it. Do the last thing God told you to do until he tells you to do the next thing. That's obedience and that's holiness. 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16 says, So you must live as godly, obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You don't. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says you must be holy because I am holy. You can see the connection there between obedience and holiness. Both words being used in those few verses. We look at ourselves and see um, changes still to come and don't feel very holy. We know there still are some things in our lives that are going to need to be cleaned up and, and so we feel dirty. But God sees our future through His Son, Jesus, and sees no wrong. What we need to focus on is where we are and what God has asked us to change, not on what He has not asked us to change yet. God hasn't and won't give you the grace or the help you need to correct future problems, only to live rightly in the present. Do what he has already said, not what you think he is going to say. He does not expect us to run off and fix something that he has not yet uh, ordered us to change. Uh, just do the last thing God told you to do until he tells you to do the next thing. Encouraging people to go back to that um, off-ramp where they exited the path of obedience and submission and got lost in the weeds is something a spiritual coach is going to have to do very often. An old way of expressing this is with the phrase, um, we're only responsible for the light we have. We're to, okay, that's in kind of a way, an older way that I've read in, in, in several books about spirituality is that we're only responsible for the light we've been given. We're to measure ourselves against what God has given us, not against what he has not yet given us or called us to. Standing firm in the truth that we have. As long as the light of truth is ever spreading in our lives and we're, we aren't running from it, we're good with God. When we see the ugly and embarrassing truth about how we're living, thinking, and dreaming, and we're tempted to hide that truth or hide from it, the moment of truth is upon us. We will remain loyal to God or we will side with the enemy. If we choose God's side and act accordingly, all is good. If we choose the darkness, the dark side, for those of you that are Star Wars fans, we become traitors if we stay there. But at any point, we can repent and seek God's forgiveness, and, and then we're restored to our past and to our post, and the relationship with God can be continued. <clears throat> so so holiness, holiness is not about perfection. 
we may still have issues that uh, we're arguing with God about. We may not be as quick as we should be with a certain response. We can't mess around long deciding what we're going to do with what God has shown or asked of us, or it'll quickly become rebellion. If we admit to our breaks and loyalty as God shows them to us, our devotional holiness then stays intact. The key is that we're arguing with Him. It means we're still talking to Him and therefore still connected relationally. The problem will come when we either stop talking to God and or choose to live in a lifestyle of continual blatant rebellion in some area of life. That would break both aspects of holiness. In turn, it makes it hard and hypocritical for us to try to help teach biblical truths or assist others in realigning their lives with God when we are doing the opposite. break to give your brain a rest. If you would like to connect with Pastor Carrie to offer feedback, to suggest topics for future episodes, or to ask a question, there are a few easy ways to do that. You can message him on Twitter. Just search for at TRCSCP. That's an at sign followed by the letters TRCSCP. If you prefer Facebook Messenger, you can search for at PK Spiritual Coaching. That's at PK Spiritual Coaching. Or you can simply email him at carry at tworivers.church. As you might expect, we'd appreciate it if you'd rate us on iTunes and like and share the podcast as well as our Twitter and Facebook pages so that other church leaders and spiritual coaches can find this helpful content. All right, let's return now to our current episode of the Spiritual Coaching Podcast. So we have uh, pure devotion, number one, a pure self, number two is two aspects of what it means to be holy. Let's uh, let's continue and close out with number three, um, uh, the third aspect of what it means to be holy, and we're going to call that pure saints. So be, uh, beside all that has been said, there's a third and final aspect of God's call to holiness. God calling his people to holiness is frequent throughout the Bible. I have a a bunch of references here, Old and New Testament. But we need to see that it's for relationship's sake. If he's holy, he can only be relationally connected with those that are holy. The call to pure devotion and pure hearts is directed at establishing and protecting our relational connection with God. God calls the saints or holy ones through the biblical writers. And we have been called by God to be his holy people. Along with everyone who calls on God for rescue, we're made holy or sanctified by Jesus Christ. There's a sense in which because we've accepted God's provision of forgiveness, we will ultimately enter heaven perfect forever. From that point of view, we're holy no matter what we do. We're saints. We're seen not as ourselves, but through the filter of Jesus' rescue, which means we're seen as holy. Since this is true, God expects us to act like it. After all, he's done for us. He wants to value the relationship. Uh, He wants us to value the relationship and not be flippant about it or unfaithful with it. All three parts of holiness that I've described are triangular sides of the same object. Be holy as as much a statement about what Christ's work has done for us as about how he expects us to live. His example is 
of his loyalty to the Father while on earth, living not for himself, but in full obedience and loyalty to the Father's will, even when it meant he would have to sacrifice his life to do so, is our example. Let's summarize in reverse order by working backwards. So third, the last thing I said, there is a positional aspect. Uh, This is an identity that is despite of our actions. God calls us saints, the word from which we get the, the word holy. So take up your argument with him if you want to insist that you're no saint. He's looking at us with future eyes as his children cleansed by Jesus Christ without spot or wrinkle, just like him. So there's that positional aspect. Second, there's an obedience aspect. Even though he sees our future in heaven, he wants us to act like that up to the point that he's revealed and released the needed help. Holiness isn't perfection, just current obedience. Holiness isn't complete transformation, just change that's keeping up with God's timetable. Then first, there's this devotional aspect. We'll still sin and do what we want sometimes, but devotion is only reversed if we choose repeated, consistent independence. What I mean is that uh, a sin or two while needing attention isn't proof necessarily we rejected God and his leadership completely. When we agree with God against ourselves and correct the wrong, one is revealed, our loyalty is maintained. Yes, you are a saint. Yes, you can live a saint like a saint. No, neither of us is perfect, but God knew that when he gave us the command. Therefore, perfection can't be what he had in mind when he commanded holiness. What he expects is that we believe what he says about us, that we obey his leading when we become consciously aware of it, and that we make him and his kingdom our first priority and let his work, let him work out everything else. And he expects us to repent quickly when we realize that we have erred and strayed away from his will for us. Next time on the Spiritual Coaching Podcast, we're going to do a little something different. Recently, I conducted um, a a leadership spiritual retreat for um, our people here in the Two Rivers community. And um, I'm going to take the audio files from that um, because they are targeted at um, um, the life of any Christian as well as the spiritual coach. Um, And I'm, I'm going to use the audios from that for the next several podcasts. So that's where we'll pick up um, next week on the Spiritual Coaching Podcast. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you heard something that got your attention, whether it be for your own relationship with God or for coaching others, don't waste the divine nudge. Be sure to take the time to think through how to work the truth into your life and practice. If you do spiritual coaching, either formally or informally, remember that it is hard to lead where you have never been yourself. I pray that God can use this training to inform and transform your life before it reaches another. If you are anywhere near upstate New York, specifically the Binghamton area, look Pastor Kerry up. He'd love to have a cup of coffee with you and chat about our dynamic relationship with God or about how to do spiritual coaching in your context. Remember, only healthy hearts can know God deeply and follow Him fully. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Spiritual Coaching Podcast. Thank you.